Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I am your host, Gary Ware. And today on the show, we have Jamie Tardy. JB has interviewed millionaires. She is my coach, and I'm excited to have her on the show. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me, Gary. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And more importantly, you have recently launched your very first book, The Eventual Millionaire. And I'm excited to have the listeners learn a little bit more about that as well. Awesome. It was exciting at the time. No. (laughs) Awesome. So for our listeners who may not know much about you, can you just give us a brief overview about what you do on your site and a little bit more about your book? Sure. So uh, quite a few years ago, I had this thing with millionaires. When I was little, I wanted to be a millionaire and I was always chasing after the money, right? Uh, Long story short, I did a corporate job I really, really didn't like realized it's not about the money, which is where I came up with the concept eventual millionaire. And so an eventual millionaire is someone who has the goal to be a millionaire, but eventually, and they want to do it on their own terms. So they want to have an enjoyable life and an enjoyable business. And that's sort of the crux and the reason why I started the site. And then I started interviewing millionaires to find out what they did to be successful. So now we're over 150 millionaire interviews. So people that have a net worth of at least a million dollars and are self-made, usually through business, that's usually what we focus on in general, that are living a life that they really, really enjoy and having a business that they love. Oh, that is so awesome. And I know that Breakthrough Cocktail listeners, that is what they're aiming. They're aiming to have a life that they enjoy, not a life that is dictated for them. So excited to get into that. We're on the same page completely. I know we have very similar philosophies. Exactly. So before we get into the book, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So can you just tell us a little bit about your background? You mentioned that you were in project management and how you got to this point where you decided, you know what, I'm going to jump off and do my own thing. Well, I think it's funny because when you're younger and you have to choose on what you want, you just sort of pick something out of the air. At least that's what I did. Like I was uh, voted most artistic. So I went into art uh, and medical illustration when I first started. Then I was like, well, this isn't exactly what I want either because I'm in doing art and learning this stuff and I'm getting ridiculously huge college loans and that wasn't exactly what I wanted. So then I switched to IT going like, well, at least they'll make good money. At least I'll have a degree where at the end I'll make good money. Whereas medical illustration, I think was paying like $30,000 and my, uh, my loans were 30,000 a year. (laughs) So it didn't really seem like it was very good. So I switched to computers thinking like, well, at least I'll learn something that will make me money. Cause that's what it was sort of about way back then. And so as I quit, I mean, I actually worked full-time while I was going uh, to college, ended up really doing pretty well, um, getting a 40-hour work uh, week job at an internet company when I was uh, like 20. And then I ended up going into project management for a video-on-demand company. So I made six figures when I was 22, and I thought I was pretty hot stuff, like... Yeah, I make six figures, 22, you know what I mean? Uh, Had an expense account, was flying around the country. Um, So it seemed like I was really successful. And I mean, on the outside, it definitely was. But I mean, as you know, and you know my story, Gary, like traveling around every single week, being in different hotel rooms, not knowing anyone, gaining weight over and over again because I had an expense account, I could eat whatever the heck I wanted, and I was bored all the time. Like, this is not a life. They made me work like 70 hours a week, which was insane. And, and I knew that wasn't what I wanted. 
right? I actually uh, love the story, and it's actually in my book where one of my coworkers, I was stressed. I was working like 70 hours a week, and, and there was a problem. And, of course, we had done like 24 hours in a row or something silly like that. So you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And one of uh, my coworkers goes, Jamie, we're not curing cancer here. This is cable TV. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, why am I killing myself over having people have cable TV and video on demand? Like, this is not, you know, my life's purpose in any sense of the word. Not that I knew what it was at the time either, but it was funny because I knew something had to change. And sort of that catalyst moment came when I realized that I wanted to start a family and have a child. And I couldn't if I was leaving on Monday and coming home on Friday. And I remember asking my job and they wouldn't let me um, change the position where I could stay home more or anything like that. And I was like, well, the only thing I can do, like I didn't really have any options. The only thing I can do is quit. And it wasn't even for me. Like I should have known that I should have quit a long time ago, but I needed something outside myself to really see that I needed to quit that job, which is kind of a crazy thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you get to that breaking point when you just know that you have to make a change. And yeah, and fortunate for you, you have an awesome support system and you were able to do that. Now for our listeners who might not be fortunate enough to be able to, or have the courage enough to quit, but they know that they want to make that change. Can you give us some advice on the things that you did after you did quit to help you find that direction? Oh yeah, I wouldn't suggest doing what I did either. By the way, I wouldn't. I would never uh, quit before you have something that you want to go to. The way that it worked out in in my world is I ended up paying off debt first. So I made uh, getting debt free my number one. If I could go back now, I would probably start a business while I was still in corporate. Even though it's hard, don't get me wrong. I've helped a lot of clients quit their day jobs, but being able to to do that sets you up because learning how to make money on your own takes some time, right? Yeah. It's not something that comes super easy, especially when you've had a day job for so long, and sometimes that iteration can can take a while. So it took me a long time after I quit my job. Uh, thankfully, we had a lot of savings, which is definitely helpful, but not having something to really uh, move towards was, I felt like I was like swimming around in an ocean with not knowing which way the island was, right? Yeah. Like, I need to make money at some point soon and I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. And that's that makes it really difficult. So I, I don't suggest that at all. I highly, highly recommend uh, figuring out what your path is before you quit your day job. And even having, you know, making some income off of it. I have a, a client of mine. Her name is Amy Methrell. She was a virtual assistant. She was doing a little bit on the side when I first started working with her. And uh, it was insane because she was the breadwinner and it was kind of tough because she had a family. I mean, there's always things, right? There's always, you know, reasons not to do this stuff. And so we ended up working together for, for quite a while. We had a goal for her to quit in a year. She was like, okay, I'm going to quit in a year. Next summer, not going to be doing my day job anymore. It's just going to be this. And she quit in less than nine months and was making more money just a few months later than her day job. So she actually had almost dual income, just her. Uh, she ended up hiring someone else in order to take off some of the work from her because she was doing so much. So, I mean, it, it was an amazing thing. But then she could actually choose on when she wanted to make the transition 
don't get me wrong, it's hard. It's yeah. definitely one of those things. She was working two jobs pretty much and had a family. Um, but being able to have that transition, especially for someone who wants that safety of not having to, you know, quit completely and then going on to something else, doing that way to me is is way easier. At least looking back hindsight, I, I really wish I did that too. Yeah. And did you have her do any exercises to help her find that passion? Was virtual assistant the first idea that came out or were there other iterations? Now, she was already a virtual assistant a bit when when she came to me, but she tried a whole bunch of stuff too. I mean, that's the thing that I find really interesting is it, it's a process, not an event, right? So I wish when I found what I wanted to do, it was like, boom, done. But it's not even close. I mean, I had so many different things and you get wooed by hearing these amazing success stories. Don't get me wrong. I have a show all about success stories, yes. right? But... You get wooed hearing like, oh, well, this guy was 24 and he made a million in two years by doing this. And I just have to find that cool secret thing. And then maybe I'll, you know, and, and it's not really that trying to figure out what you like to do because you have to, it's not all about what you love to do. No offense to anybody. I'm a business coach, right? Yes. I have to pay attention to the needs of the market. So you want to try and align what's an opportunity in the market along with what you actually enjoy doing. And thankfully, what I found is a lot of the people, clients, millionaires that I've interviewed really love the aspects of business, right? Maybe there's different things. Like I love the networking piece. I love being able to build relationships. I love that so much. And I never in a million years would have known that if I didn't become a business owner. I didn't realize I was good at it. I didn't realize I liked interviewing until I started doing it. But there's definite aspects of business that you can really, really like. Um, and you're not going to like them all because nobody does. And that's why hopefully you can get big enough to hire other people to do the stuff you don't want to do. Uh, but it's always sort of uh, taking little piece by little piece and realizing like, I like this, I don't like this. Because I think the thing that's really interesting is just like um, finding somebody to marry. It's not as though you would be like looking at a lineup and go, <laughs> I'm going to pick that, right? Like that one. Yes. That's what I did for, for college. I was like, oh, I want to be a medical illustration major. Don't, don't know what that's like, but I'm going to pick that one. And then IT, well, I'm going to pick that one. You know? and, and so when I uh, started trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I kept going, well, maybe I'll pick that one. But then I realized, and I heard some great advice that uh, I take it, and I tell my clients this now, is being able to date an idea, right? So maybe you want to be a virtual assistant. We'll get one client and see if you like it. And if you hate it, that's okay. I remember I had my best friend when I was trying to help her figure out what she wanted to do. Uh, I had her, she wanted to be a, a dog sitter. And I was like, well, before you like start and quit your job and you know what I mean, why don't you either work for a dog sitter and see what that's like or get one client and see what that's like. And she hated it. She hated it. <laughs> right? Oh, wow. It was yeah. so funny because the schedule was crazy. Right. Like she'd have to do it at nighttime all the time. So she never actually got to see her husband and and all the little things that you don't really pay attention to. So being able to make sure that it's a process, it's not like you pick something and you're immediately happy and, oh, this is so much better. It's really trying to figure out what that is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, speaking of families, when you had quit your job in your book, you had talked about you. Your goal was to save money. And correct me if I were if I'm wrong, you were pregnant at the time, right? Yeah, I got. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So I was working 70 hours a week, very pregnant also. I had to get a doctor's note saying that I couldn't work as much as I did. Yeah, it was it was a little crazy. And But I had a really good deadline, right? Like, yes. oh, baby's coming out this time. Better be close, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so speaking of family, what did your family think when you told them these, uh, that your goals and aspirations, were they completely supportive right off the bat? 
So my my parents in general had, you know, day jobs. My dad makes artificial limbs and my mom's a secretary. And so I know, crazy. My dad was a musician for a very long time too. So my dad understands like doing what you love for sure. But then of course, the hard thing for him is that it didn't really work out so well. Like he didn't, he made pretty good money, but it was hustling. It was always going. He didn't achieve his dream like he really, really wanted to on being a, a musician, like a big musician. So he had to sort of go for his family and, and get a job. And so uh, for him, he always told me I should work for myself. But coming from going, you have a house and two cars and you want to quit your job. And at the time, my husband was a performing artist, right? And juggler. And so <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but it was variable income and he wasn't making a ton of cash. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit my six figure job as the breadwinner right before I have a baby. That's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> And so my parents, when we were going to, to try and get out of debt, they're like, okay, honey, whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah, have fun with that. You know, and uh, sort of had to, to prove it, right? And um, it, not until I was on CNN, once um, once Eventual Millionaire started getting big, I was on CNN. My mom was like, oh, well then, you're on CNN. Oh, maybe you can tell us about, you know, what you're doing and money. And apparently that makes a big difference. I don't know. It's just kind of a funny thing. People will be really skeptical of you until you sort of prove it to them. Even the people that love you. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. And but you still persevered. So can you give our audience just some tips on how you were able to do that? Because I imagine having it come in from family, it's pretty tough. Yeah, it is. Uh, thankfully, I had quite a few people that were already self-employed and worked for themselves. So you can see at least some support system that, you know, th- I had comedians as friends and stuff like that. So it's it's funny to be like, oh, well, if they can do that, I should be able to figure something else out. Right. Yeah. And then I ended up finding a mentor. And that was huge for me because being able to have someone a that believed in you uh, to go, yes, of course you can do this. This makes perfect sense. Right. You're not crazy. Uh, definitely helps with the confidence in general of moving forward and creating um, creating the life that you want. Because when you can see other people doing it, that definitely helps. And it, I mean, thankfully my parents weren't horribly negative about it or anything like that. Though, I mean, I have clients and friends and stuff like that whose, whose family is horrible, you know what I mean? Horribly um, negative about this stuff. Because to them, they don't believe it's possible. And therefore they project all that on you. And that makes it really, really difficult. So being able to have a real strong support system. And if you don't already have one, creating one, because when I first started online, I was in the middle of nowhere in Maine. And thankfully, I had one mentor who had sold a million dollar business and he was awesome in Maine, but he knew nothing about online anything. And so I created, and you know this, Gary, I created a mastermind group of people that were doing what I wanted to be doing also. Uh, So that way I'd have some sort of support system so I didn't feel like a crazy person. Because I'd go to friends, or I I was in karate, so I'd go to a dojo and be like, oh, and then I'm doing this thing, and people look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? I have an online blog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People are like, they make you, and I still to this day, people ask me, you make money with that? Like, is that your full-time thing? I'm like, yes, I make more money than I ever did at my day job. But Nobody understands what that's like. And so, uh, and unfortunately that's common, right? That's extremely common. So you'll have to set yourself up with some sort of support. So that way you realize that the belief is not you just being crazy. It's out there and it's real. And you need to sort of solidify that in your brain instead of listening to everybody else that doesn't believe it. That's very good advice. Now, how did you find this network? Uh, Because 
I can imagine you have family that has one mindset and you have people in your dojo that has another, but you found this group of people that were like-minded. Can you give some tips on that? I looked around online. <laughs> so it's funny because, I mean, again, uh, I, thankfully I'm a geek, right? So like I was on the internet all the time anyway, but I didn't really even know what I was looking for. I went on um, way back when there was a forum that Steve Pavlina, who had a big blog at the time, uh, I seemed like people in his forum like cared about personal development. And a lot of people around me didn't really care about personal development. And so I had read the book Think and Grow Rich and was like, I want to start a mastermind group. And so I posted on that forum, like, hey, I was thinking about starting a mastermind group. Would anyone join me? And uh, I had a couple people answer. One guy that answered seemed like he really knew what he was doing because he actually wrote a book and it was half of it was about masterminds and how to create your own mastermind group. I was like, well, you're the guy that I should be listening to. And he gave me tons of advice. That book is called The Rich Switch. It's by David Hooper. He's an amazing guy. Uh, musician, actually, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, has, he had a podcast way before everybody even knew what a podcast was. It was crazy. Um, but being able to sort of see what he suggested, he was like, you know what? Let's get an amazing group. Let's, uh, one of the pe best pieces of advice that he gave me that I hone all the time is trying to find people that are quite a bit better than you. They're peers, but they're probably two levels above you. So, um, so they're people that can definitely be friends and, and, you know, help and support you, but they're higher so they can give you really good advice and, and network and all that fun stuff. Cause that's where you're looking to be. So you want to be sort of the dumbest person in the room. You probably heard that before, yeah. right? Be the dumbest person in the room. So that way you can start rising up to their level. And I remember when I very first had my first few mastermind groups, I was like, I am so dumb compared to them. Like we, we would have uh, wins each week and I'd be like, well, I wrote a blog post. Yay. <laughs> and my last uh, win last week was, um, I'm in women's health magazine this month. And so I was like, well, you know, I was in women's health magazine this month. And then I just got on Yahoo's homepage for the sixth time and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, my wins have gotten so much cooler over the years <laughs> comparatively awesome. to what I used to do at the beginning. And of course it's all, again, it's a process. It's not all going to happen overnight, but being able to surround yourself with people that are doing it helps you solidify that belief that you can do it too. Awesome. And so to sum everything up, you had an intention, you set a goal, you surrounded yourself with like-minded people that can motivate you and, and elevate you, and then you hustled and put in the work. Is that? <laughs> oh yeah, hustle. It's so funny. As I was uh, prepping for this interview, it's late at night and I wasn't wearing makeup today, and I went to put on my favorite eyeshadow, and I was looking at the eyeshadow, and the eyeshadow is called hustle. I was like, how perfect is that? There you <laughs> it's go. All, it's all about the hustle. I agree. Yeah. Very good summary. <laughs> yeah, and so. So you found something that you can continue to do. You, you know, did some testing. How long were you at it before you started to say, all right, this is actually going to pay off? Mm. Well, at the very beginning, and let me uh, sort of uh, go back on the story a little bit, because I had my mentor and I was a business coach offline before I ever went online. And so there was a bit of a disconnect in there. So I was actually making money as an offline business coach and had clients locally. At the time, though, I, you know, businesses in Maine weren't doing very well. I'm, I'm from Maine. So it's the 49th worst state in the U.S. for business, by the way. Wow. So yeah, so trying to find business clients that can actually pay you because no businesses are doing, I mean, don't get me wrong, some of them are doing well, but uh, but a lot of them aren't. And that makes it difficult to try and get, get clients. So I used to drive around a lot and try and look for clients. And, uh, and it was funny because I remember when I wanted to go online, I asked my mentor because I was sort of working underneath him. 
and uh, had my own clients on my own, but it was sort of under his uh, next level business coaching umbrella. And uh, he's like, I can't afford to pay you to learn all this online stuff. And I was like, well, I I really think that this is going to be really important to me. Uh, I'm a geek and there's a whole world out there of internet land that I would love to rather sit at my computer and be able to work from anywhere instead of having local clients and like driving to them or having them drive to me. And so long story short, we ended up cutting ties. And so like while I was making some money with him, especially it was good money at the time, especially because I was only working about 20 hours a week for him. Uh, but the problem is, is that I gave him most of my clients. And so uh, I ended up, one or two was like, no, 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 I want to stay with Jamie no matter what. And he was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, You can do that. Uh, But because I was under his umbrella, I ended up giving him most of the clients, which not fun for like, oh, I worked really hard to get all these clients. And then I gave a lot of them to him. So yeah, it was tough at first when I was, when I was doing uh, online stuff, I'm like, okay, well, how do I get clients? How do I do this? And it took a while before I started getting people coming in. I would blogged probably for like six months. And I remember getting like clients coming in, but they were not good fits. They could not afford me. Um, I was sort of going after the wrong market. I was going after people getting out of debt for the first six months. I wasn't even talking about millionaires or business coaching, which is dumb because I don't know why I was trying to get business coaching clients off of a a debt-free kind of blog. I mean, I kind of blogged about business, but not nearly what I should have. It was me really trying to figure out my voice and figure out what the heck this blog was. And it didn't really start picking up until probably a year in, I started interviewing millionaires. I got on CNN. I started, uh, as things started growing and getting better, I was like, oh, okay, I think I'm onto something. Cause I, I was about to give up to tell you the truth. I was, uh, I remember telling my mentor, I've been doing this for over six months. I haven't really gotten anything out of it. I had 500 subscribers, but no real clients coming from it. Uh, and so I was going to throw in the towel. And then uh, as Gary, you know, my story, uh, CNN emailed me and was like, we want to feature your story. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm onto something. And then I was on uh, their um, online site, and then I was on their TV show, and then I was picked up on Yahoo's homepage, and then Kiplinger's personal finance picked it up, and then Yahoo's homepage picked it up again. And so it started going like, okay, maybe I have something to say. Um, And I decided to sort of grip my teeth and dig in deeper. And that's when it really started picking up again. Uh, And at this point, were you interviewing millionaires, or is that even just on the cusp before that. It's the same, it's about the same time. So in October, I think of 2010, uh, is when I was on Yahoo's homepage the first time. I had decided that same month that I was gonna start a podcast um, to interview millionaires. The first millionaire interview didn't go live until January. It took me a couple months before I got everything going. But then uh, January or February is when I was on Yahoo's homepage again. So it was all sort of in the same vein. All of it was happening. It was crazy too. It was like, uh, it was nuts. It was like, things are going really, really well. I got huge spikes of traffic. My servers went down. It was, it was pretty nuts. Awesome. So another lesson is don't give up. <laughs> Keep well, that's it. the thing too. I mean, I remember reading, and it's a great, uh, a great book by Seth Godin called The Dip. I remember reading The Dip going, okay, is this just a dip? Do I need to push past this in order to achieve something? Or is this the end and I'm just not noticing it because I'm holding on too much? Like that's a really good question, right? And I highly recommend that book. Um, and, and one of the pieces that helped with the figuring it out was actually listening to my gut. And I don't think a lot of people do this enough. Um, a lot of millionaires, actually, I, I won't, won't ask them the same question because I want to know if they do that. A lot of them listen to their gut, like really going, should I do this? Should I not? 
because I remember telling my mentor on the day that I should, I was like, I should give up. And I couldn't pull the trigger. Like I told him, this was before CNN contacted me. I was like, I can't pull the trigger. I don't know what it is. I just don't, I can't email these people and say I'm done. And, you know, just a few days later or a week later is when CNN emailed me. So I was like, thankfully, I didn't write the whole blog post saying, and um, this site is over. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and we're done. Goodbye. Uh, I never wrote that. And thankfully, <laughs> it worked Whew. out pretty well. huh? I know. That's awesome. Crazy. Well, and then we fast forward, you know, 20, 2014, you just launched your first book and you're a major success and everyone is sort of following after your model. So I uh, applaud you on that. Thank you very much. It's it's crazy to look back. It seems um, not easy, but easy in retrospect, right? Looking back over a success stories, like, oh, look how easy it was. I can tell you all my uh, antics and stories of, oh, I was about to quit, and then I didn't, and yay, everything's okay. Uh, but it's way different going through it. Like, it's a long journey where you're chugging along, and, and I'm not to the end of mine either, of course. Like, I'm still chugging along and figuring it out and doing stuff too, and, uh, and I think that's the thing that we need to make sure we're highlighting. Everybody's going through that. Millionaires too. They're not these people that we can put on a pedestal and say, oh, they're better, they, they're smarter, they know the right steps to take. Because it's all the same. We're all just trying to figure out uh, the best we can with what we have. Yeah, and that's another thing that I found fascinating with your book is there were so many things that were different about each of the millionaires, but yet they had some similar characteristics. Can you speak to maybe some of the foundational things that you included in the book, just to give our listeners a tease of the core foundations that they all had? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, Of course, everybody asks me, and this is funny because this is what I wanted to know too. What's the secret sauce? And right, that's of course marketing language, right? I have a webinar coming up. <laughs> it's the three secrets millionaires use to unlock business growth, right? Um, they're, they're secrets only to a point that we're not really paying that much attention. There are commonalities uh, that kept showing up over and over and over again. I remember, um, I think I was only 10 interviews in, and I remember telling my mentor, like, wow, they kind of all sound the same, which is kind of funny, right? They all have different stories. Some of them, you know, have different pieces, but there were recurring themes on a lot of different things. And in the book, I talk about a lot of different ones. Um, but some of the habits that they do is they, they always continually ach achieve or strive for more. So I call it continuous forward motion, right? So they're like constantly, like you said, setting that intention and going no matter what, and I like to call it extreme intention, right? No matter what, I'm going to keep moving forward, chugging along, even if it's slow. Uh, so that continuous forward motion adds up over and over and over over time. You look back at five years and you're like, you know what? Look how much has changed. When you're in it, it doesn't always feel that way, Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you've seen the uh, Facebook thing, right? The, the path to success. Everybody's like, oh, it's just straight up. And yeah. no, it's usually like going like crazy. Yeah. As long as you continually keep trying to move forward towards that end goal, yes you're going to have back steps. But as long as you keep putting your eye on the prize and having that intention and moving forward towards that, that's what makes a big difference. So the millionaires that you, that you pay attention to, they have these intentions. They're really paying attention. And the other piece that uh, is in the book too is that they have a no excuses approach. Right. So it's not as though that they don't have excuses because everybody's got excuses. <laughs> I have excuses. You do. Everybody does. Um, but it's being able to see those as excuses and get past them anyway. So they're really good at this about going, OK, no, that is I don't have enough time. That's not true. <laughs> right. I don't have enough money. That's never true either because you can figure things out. Everything is is. Uh, 
figure outable. I think that's what Marie Forleo says. Everything is yes. figure outable, right? So being able to go, well, I'm going to figure this out. It might, it might be a little uh, different than what I expected at first, but I can figure it out. And having no excuse to get past that, right, uh, is what really makes a difference. So those things kept coming up over and over and over again. And it's crazy to be like, okay, well, that makes sense. But putting it into use in your own life way, way harder, easy to say, harder to do. Um, so actually one tip that I usually give people, especially for excuses, because I have people that do this with me, it's annoying as anything. I'll just warn you, yes. but I have people call me out if I'm making excuses. So, and I've done this to you too, Gary. Yes, you have many times. <laughs> and uh, yes, that's an excuse. Yes. Uh, and so, but it's huge because if you don't see it, it's very hard where, where tunnel vision seems to be all the time. Right. So, you know, we're in our own world. We think we're great. We're doing everything pretty good. I mean, might, we might have some negative self-talk, but you don't notice, we don't reflect on that stuff. So being able to have somebody call you out on it. I mean, I used to use the excuse, I don't have enough time all the time. I have two small children. I was working 20 hours a week. I was trying to do all, be super mom and do everything. And I kept going, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. And I had one of my friends call me out on it because uh, one of my uh, favorite quotes is by Lao Tzu. And it says, time is a created thing. To say that you don't have time means you don't want to, which is like a stake in the heart, right? When you're yes. one of those people that say, I don't have enough time. That's, that's me. So I'd have my friend call me out and be like, ha, yeah, I don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, okay, I need to set my priorities again. I need to make sure I'm, you know, doing the things that matter the most and, and being patient. Don't get me wrong. I probably need a little more patience in, in all everything I do. But really noticing that that's an excuse. And if I really want something, I can go ahead and get it. So you make a good point. You of all people, you're, you have two kids. You have a, a thriving business. And to hear someone like you said that you don't have enough time, how do you – what are some – tips that we can go through to reprioritize and make sure that we are doing the things that are going to be fruitful. Definitely. So one is sort of getting your uh, head screwed on straight. <laughs> one of the things that I, I had always said is I'm going to start this business, even if it's super, super slow, um, you know, until my kids go to school. And it's funny, my daughter uh, went to school last week, kindergarten. Aww. So my youngest just went off to kindergarten. And when I started this business, uh, you know, six or seven years ago, uh, I remember going, oh, the whole point is for me to go really, really slow until they're both in school. And once they're both in school, then I can pick things up a little bit more. And so it's very hard for somebody as impatient as me <laughs> to be like, oh, I'll do this slowly because I'm an overachiever and I want everything right now. So what I had to do and what I highly recommend for people is A, um, uh, get better at patience. That's number yes. one, right? Get better at being patient because uh, we are the society that wants everything right this minute. Yes. But B, when you can learn to have a soul focus and make progress on that soul focus, I mean, we've talked about this before, Gary, when you scatter yourself into five different directions, you can only make so much progress in each one of those um, movements instead of being able to sort of be more like a laser where you can either be a flashlight so you're covering a wide area or you can be a laser and move forward faster um, when you're taking certain steps towards something very, very specific. And so when you start picking something, you have to decide what the most important thing is, which is difficult. Don't get me wrong, right? To me, it was family first. Okay, family first. Great to know. Uh, yep. All that means business is down here. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
so it's not going to move as fast, and that's okay. I have to be okay with that. But then you start going, okay, in my business, the time that I do have, because I did have them, they were in preschool for um, 20 hours a week or a little bit less than that. And so then you decide, okay, in the time that I do have, what's the most important thing? Well, if you're dealing with revenue and you need clients, then, then that is the biggest thing that you should be working on, right? Don't necessarily start something that's going to take a really long time. I mean, blogging takes a long time to get going. I mean, it took me almost a year to get uh, solid clients in. And so there are different ways that you can go about doing faster ways of trying to get new clients. But whatever it is, make sure that that's what your sole focus is. That way you can actually move forward faster. Does that make sense too? Makes perfect sense. And it's solid advice. Great. Oh my gosh, Jamie, this, this is so much good stuff. And I can go on and on for hours, but we are very limited on time and I want to be mindful of everyone's time. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into the lightning round. To kick off the launch of the Breakthrough Cocktail Podcast, we are throwing a contest. I'm giving away some of my favorite books that will help you level up your life. Also, one lucky winner will get a chance to join me at an exclusive mastermind event here in San Diego in December 2014. To learn more and to enter, go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com slash launch dash contest. Good luck. Hey, Breakthrough Cocktailers. I want to take a moment and tell you about Compassionate. Compassionate is a global social movement and nonprofit that strives to make compassion a verb. It was started by my friend Sarah Shire, and her mission is to inspire you to take daily compassion actions. How does she do this? It's with her compassionate wristband. You start the day on the black side, and when you compassionate, you flip it to the white side. The wristband is only $10, and the funds go towards compassion training all over the world. To buy yours today, go to www.compassionate.com. All right, and we're back, and I have the very awesome Jamie Tardy from AventureMillionaire.com, and we're getting ready to jump into the lightning round. Are you ready, Jamie? Totally ready. Cool. And it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without finding what you're drinking today. So, Jamie, what are you drinking this evening? So I knew what to expect here. So I got boring and not as boring. So boring is my water, right? But everybody thinks I'm drinking from a vase. So when I do webinars, they're like, are you drinking from a vase? These are my cups. They're, they look like weird little vases. That vase. is so cool. I know. I think it's really cool. People think I'm weird. All right. So that's, <laughs> that's water because I need water for the interview. But because it's nighttime, I have Pinot Grigio. Just in case. I haven't had a sip yet, so we'll see. But uh, yes. <laughs> but I got it. I brought it just for you, Gary. Cool. Thank you. Well, cheers to that. And for me, I am drinking Gatorade. And I am the type of person that will just pick up whatever is new. And this one is lime cucumber. Ooh. Yeah. And it tastes like if I'm, I don't know, at a spa. It, it has a hint of cucumber. It doesn't really, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. Expect, but it smells like cucumber, so it's very soothing there. Now you're making me jealous. I want that instead of mine. Yes. So uh, if Thanks. we could trade, I could trade you. But <laughs> I know. Can we do that? Yes. I was going to make a green smoothie. It's a little late at nighttime, so I didn't want one. But I was going to make a green smoothie to show you how healthy I was. But instead, I went with wine. So. Oh no, it's all good. You made a choice and you stuck with it, so it's awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's jump into the questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests here in Breakthrough Cocktail, just to see how you tick and how, you know, what's inside your head. And the first question is. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted to be an artist. So I remember writing to Disney saying that I wanted to be an animator. I used to draw, you know, Mickey Mouse and all that stuff, actually all on my walls and stuff. But yeah, I wanted to be an animator. Kind of crazy. Oh, cool. Uh, that is awesome. And you're not the only kid that, or kid person that I've interviewed so far. <laughs> Call me a kid. Get, no. Kid at heart. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. Um, all right. What was your very first job? Well, it's funny. So this is kind of a job. I used to sweep the streets. Now, I know that sounds really horrible, but in Maine, they don't have street sweepers. And so for April vacation, my very first job ever was they would get a whole bunch of kids and sweep the sand off the roads from the winter of the night be- of the time before. It was silly, but we just had big brooms and we just swept all day long. Wow. So yeah, I know. Sad, huh? Taught you patience and hard work. It was, it was, I'm like, why don't they buy a machine to do this? Why are we, why do we have 20 kids out here with brooms? But yeah, that was the first job I ever had. Yeah. At the age of 15, 16, you were thinking about efficiency and, and questioning so things. Silly. It was boring as all heck. Yeah. Uh, during the interview, you mentioned karate. Do you have any other hobbies? Uh, yeah. Well, karate is the main one, right? I do yoga also. That's some crazy hardcore yoga the other day. Namaste. Um, I, I do a lot of different stuff, um, but not so. One, I'm, I guess you can call it like a adrenaline junkie. I love trying new things. So like I'll do archery and and get kind of good at that. I don't do anything to mastery usually. I mean karate and, and martial arts. I definitely love that. Uh, but in general, I'll be like, oh, I want to get pretty good at doing this. So I have a wide range of skills. I can shoot. I can do archery. I can uh, take in pilot lessons. I love doing lots of cool stuff like that. Wow, you are so bitching. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So you talked a lot about, you know, how there's ups and downs of running your own business. What sort of things do you do to stay motivated? Ooh, that's a good question. I really try and surround myself with people that are extremely positive. It's funny. One of uh, my girlfriends and I have a thing where we brag every single day. And so she'll text me. She's like, what are your brags? And we'll talk about all the amazing things that happened the day before. Because sometimes when you're in it, you know, you can think of all the crappy stuff. And I remember texting her not that long ago. And I'm like, oh, this happened and this happened. She's like, what went well? I was like, that is a good question. I should be paying attention to what's been going well, not all the stuff that comes up that's going bad. So I highly recommend, and I even recommend it to clients of mine, especially women. For some reason, we have a hard time like bragging. And, you know, It makes it uh, difficult for us to brag. And so having these daily brags where it's totally safe and you can say whatever the heck you want, anything was really, really good in your day, uh, I love doing that every single day. Oh, that is great. Next question is, it's Friday, 7 p.m., what are you doing? That was a good question. Either putting children to bed or <laughs> hopefully putting children to bed or uh, on the nights that I get to go out, like the past two Fridays actually worked out really well. Uh, now that I'm in Austin, there are just some amazing people. I was at a, um, uh, an e-commerce party one time with Natalie Sisson and a bunch of really amazing people. I met some new millionaires that are going to come on the show. Like that was a really awesome, amazing time. And then went out for a friend's birthday. And then last Friday, uh, the dynamite circle, the guys from the lifestyle business podcast were here in Austin also, and invited me out to those parties. So it's insane being in Maine. I had no friends that had parties ever. And now being in Austin, I get invited to these things all the time. It's really amazing. So either I'm boring and staying home (laughs) Or 
I'm, I'm going out with some amazing entrepreneurs and having a lot of fun. That is great. And I'm just going to go off the cuff here because I meant to ask this earlier. How You are like the queen of networking. How do you keep your, your networking check? It seems like you just know everybody, but it, to me that seems overwhelming. Yeah, apparently I annoy my friends now, too, because I'm like, oh, don't you know so-and-so? And And then I say everybody's name and nobody knows each other. So I'm like, crap, now I have to do more introductions so that all my friends know all my other (laughs) friends. But yeah, I mean, especially uh, people are very surprised considering, I mean, I just moved out to Austin six months ago. So I don't, it's not as though I built all my connections here. I built most of them online. And so it's funny, I just started implementing contactually to try and get a handle on this, because before it was either in my CRM, Infusionsoft, but that was still a little all over the place, um, or in my head or on Facebook. So when I launched my book, I remember going through and going, I have so many friends. So I went through my Facebook list and started listing out all the ones that have lists. It's insane how many people I know. And, uh, and it's funny how it just sort of adds up over the years. It's only been four or so years that I've been online. But you figure 150 millionaires and getting introduced from people that they know and online entrepreneurs that introduce you to other people. And I love meeting people. So everybody will do introductions with me all the time. And I do introductions for everybody else all the time. It does. It's a very, it's a crazy web that just grows and grows and grows. But it's definitely amazing. And I love doing it. That is awesome. All right, a few more questions. Um, you've dropped a whole bunch of books, and we are going to put all of them in the show notes. But are there any other books, with the, in addition to your own, that you recommend that young professionals read? Well, there's actually, I got a, a list of books from the interviews that I've done. So don't get me wrong. There's a lot of books that I uh, love. One of them that I love is called The Alchemist. Have you ever read that book? Yes. I love that book. But I also have a list of the top books recommended by millionaires. I'll send you the link, Gary. So it's the top 10 books that millionaires recommend. Most have to do with business, but not all of them do. And I'd highly recommend checking out some of those too. Too many books to mention. Yes. (laughs) And we will put them all in the show notes for everyone to check out. All right. So I have two more questions for you. And the first question is, do you have any quotes or affirmations that you personally like to live by? Uh, one of my favorite quotes ever, uh, and of course the name escapes me on who it is, but it's, we will either find a way or make one. So good. Oh yeah. And you're, yeah, you're good at making a way. So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> no matter what, I'll make a way. Even yes. if I have to punch it in the face. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to punch people in the face that I'm not opposed to doing that. It's all good. Cool. And then the very last question is if you can give our audience one piece of advice that will help them find their passion and live an awesome life, what would that be? Keep looking. So the funny thing is, is that when you start going down this path, it can be scary and you don't really know and you don't know whether or not it's going to be the right thing. And when you start coming across and making this thing as everything as an experiment and deciding whether or not you like it, like go try it. If you like it, and and don't get me wrong, if you come up to a roadblock, there's always going to be roadblocks. So don't let the roadblock stop you. But you'll know whether or not something is a skill of yours. I didn't know I was an interviewer until I started 
trying it and was like, wow, this is way better than anything else I've ever done. It's so much fun. Hopefully, Gary, you feel the same way, yes. right? Interviewing is super fun. So much fun. And <laughs> so much fun. And I never in a million years would have found that if I didn't sort of go down this windy path of, I'm going to start blogging. Oh, I don't really like writing that much. Well, what else can I do? Well, maybe I can talk to millionaires. I don't know any millionaires, right? Uh, and so as you start going down the path, things will start opening up for you. But I think taking those steps and that continuous forward motion, like I was saying, before, taking those steps and figuring it out as you go is hugely important. A lot of the times we stop ourselves, right? Like, I don't know, I'm just going to sit here and I'll find that right thing, which is what we did in high school. Oh, I pick medical illustration or I pick IT or I pick this thing. Um, And then you commit and go down that path, but you don't really know for sure until you try it. And then you try it and you're like, oh no, this isn't it. So as long as you're continually trying something, Right? We don't know what we're going to like until we do it. I mean, I don't think. Do you? I, yeah, mean, no, I don't I know totally anyone agree. that really knows unless they try it and do it. So as long as you're committed to that, like, okay, no matter what, I'm going to figure this out. I won't be 40 because most of the people listening are probably in their 20s, yes. right? I won't be 40 and not know what this is. I'll, I'll figure something out that I like as long as I keep making the path and pushing forward. Oh, so good. And Jamie, thank you so much for being on the show. And if you could just take a a moment and let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you if they have more questions and how they find all the awesome stuff that you have to offer. Perfect. So if you go to eventualmillionaire.com, there's going to be all sorts of interviews with millionaires. You could find some cool ones. Like uh, one of them is a, a guy that makes rubber ducky celebrities. Like we got some crazy interviews on, on the site in general with some amazing success stories. And you can also download a book that I wrote called The Three Habits of All Successful Millionaires, which really goes into sort of the no excuses approach and gives you action items to take away so you can implement some of this stuff. Because I think learning and reading and listening Listening to success stories is very important, but taking action and finding your own path is even more important. Perfect. Awesome. And I would like to take this moment to say thank you to Jamie, because if it wasn't for Jamie, I don't think I would be where I am now. So thank you for pushing me (laughs) and making me uh, not... Uh, have no excuses and finding a way and finding that I do have a passion for for this. And yes, so thank you. You will either find a way or make one, right, Gary? As long as you keep going forward. I love it. Awesome. So that was another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. You can find all of this information in the show notes. And until next time, everyone, stay awesome. Bye. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome.